0: Think of the, the blank page as a friend, as somebody who's always going to be there. You can say absolutely anything. It's never going to get freaked out. It's never going to tell you you're wrong. It's never going to try to soothe you when you're not ready to be soothed. You could be angry. You can be sad. You can say things about your husband that you like would never want to tell your husband. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I think that's the main thing, is to think of the blank page as a friend.
1: Hey there, it's Michelle, and welcome back. If you've been experiencing any anxiety, depression, having trouble sleeping, or actually want to take this time while we're in quarantine to go within and get clarity on your life direction, then this episode is for you. I've brought back on the show Suzanne Kingsbury, who is the best selling author of two books, one of which was optioned for film by Will Akers and Anne Hathaway. Now, I'm going to encourage you to listen to the first interview I did with Suzanne because it goes into her story in so much more depth. But today we really want to keep it focused on helping you navigate this really uncertain time with the power of putting pen to paper. So on that note, let's get into the show. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back. Today we are jumping right into the interview and joining us today is Suzanne Kingsbury, who's the founder of the Gateless Methodology in Gateless Writing. And we're going to be talking about how to use the power of writing to reconnect to your creativity, your power, and inner wisdom to reduce anxiety, depression, and to feel inspired again. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you so much, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here. So, you know, they say when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that's how I feel about us meeting. I feel like I was ready and here you are. And I've just benefited so much from Gateless and the work that you do. That I wanted to share it with my listeners and I'm so honored that you're back today. So Suzanne was in episode number 28 and I'm going to link that in the show notes. Um, But can you just take a second to introduce yourself in terms of the work you've created with the gateless methodology and gateless writing?
0: Yes. Well, I have to say that Michelle is an incredible writer. So I'm so happy to have her in the gateless writing community. I am the founder of gateless writing, which is essentially two things. It's a community of writers who come together to create their book or their online course or whatever they're doing in terms of content. And then it's also a methodology that we use to to create that content. So the methodology is really based on creative brain science and ancient Zen. And it looks for where the power and the beauty and the genius is in someone's work. And that's how we bring the work forward. So there's a lot of ways that this works that we can talk about, but that's essentially what it is. And it was Kind of the the seeds of it started over a dozen years ago, and then it began um, pretty much in full force in two thousand eight. And now there's like an online academy that's a full year where people come to build their books, and there's a teacher training for writers or who are people who are working with content who um, want to move out professionally with it. And there are lots of retreats. We have sixty five trained teachers around the world, so. It's grown up to be kind of a big blooming flower, mostly because I think the world really needs this kind of um, methodology that we're really looking at what's working.
1: Absolutely. And the more that I've been immersed in it, the more I, I don't know, it was like I need to get Suzanne on to share this because the power comes from turning off criticism and amplifying and allowing for the creativity and the inner wisdom and the words that want to flow and we have a culture that is all about perfectionism and stifling even our our truth and our knowing and what you've created unleashes and allows for those words that truth that creative expression to flow again and i can't mm-hmm. think of a more important tool honestly than that ability because i see In my daughter, you know, children are so naturally creative and expressive, but Mm -hmm. as they get older, unconsciously as parents, and then you see it within systems through schools, even with the best meeting teachers, one comment, one piece of critical feedback can just shut that down in an instant. And I think we probably all have memories of something that's happened to us in childhood where a teacher said something or criticized our work and it stayed with us or our voices as, you know, just singing. Kids love to sing and somebody tells them that they can't. And so how can you, why don't you describe in your words how you figured out how to get that, sw- that you know, switch to flip back on so people can really tap into their, to their beautiful creativity and express again without that criticism?
0: Well, what happened was I was a writer, you know, I was working with um, Scribner and with a really great agent, very powerful agent in New York. And I was, you know, producing these books. And then I went to graduate school. And what I learned in graduate school was astounding, like, you know, the sort of the craft tools and the ways to move content and move the work. But I went into uh, writer's block Mm -hmm. And for my thesis, my senior thesis, I wanted to figure out what writer's block was. And I really began, that's when my exploration into brain science began, the creative brain science, what has to happen in the brain in order for us to stay in the fluid motion of creating and um this went well beyond you know the thesis and became kind of a life work of looking at the brain when it's creating and what the brain scientists have found is that when we are in the motion of creativity we are in fact in a state where the parts of the brain that are responsible for judgment criticism all those things are still that there's nothing going on so if you look at like a a famous jazz musician, or you look at someone who's in the height of their creative power as a painter and actually on the canvas, that's what they found, is Mm. that everything else is in motion, right? Long-term memory, imagination, you know, all these centers are very active. And then what's stilled is, is criticism and judgment. So I thought, like, what about if we you know, took those great tools that I was learning and resources that I think writers and all creatives need. And we married it with that state of wonder, like, how can we recreate that in someone? So now I work with everyone, right? Writers and entrepreneurs and and everyone doing this for them. And what I do in the work is really move them into a place where that side of the brain is stilled, you know, the, the part of criticism and judgment. And, and so everything else can, can get active. And that often means meditation, radical nurturing, you know, things that really move you into a state of bliss or joy, or even just deep relaxation, mm-hmm. and then creating content from there. So that's kind of how gateless works. And when it starts to work, on a, with a project, it starts to work everywhere. So you find your parenting is different. You find your experience with your job is different. You know, everything really, it just shifts your brain. Now, this is kind of, um, you know, two steps forward, one step back because we live in a culture that's very addicted to criticism and judgment. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of a hit of cortisol when we judge or when we criticize. It's just a little bit of a power Little tight power trip for, for the person, mm. and when we feel that power trip, we want a little bit more of it, and a little bit more of it, right? It's like some kind of a little bit of a drug, so it can be really, you know, difficult to live in the gateless place all the time, and that's why people kind of keep coming back to retreat to get in that gateless place again, yeah,
1: absolutely. So, yeah. Um, okay, so. As you mentioned, so much of your work is around removing the criticism so we can unleash our creativity. And we did talk a little bit about that in episode number 28, which I will link because I think people should listen to that because we really delve into it. But what can you teach us about how to navigate through this really unusual time we're going on and using this amazing tool that you've created? Because I think that when we're busy and we're, you know, leaving our house and we get the job to go to, or we've got the kids to drop off, we're just in routine. And there yeah. may be a part of us saying, can you please check in, please? Like I have so much I need to tell you, but we don't make space for that. And a lot of people aren't even aware that there's an inner voice that's desperate to speak. And so mm-hmm. I'm wondering, you know, for me, I'm aware of it, but then I often don't honor it. Mm-hmm. And i because yeah. of Gateless, I've really been making more of an, you know, a, uh, uh, a routine a daily habit of writing at night and i'm forgiving of myself when i don't but i am realizing just the power of pen to paper it's just so profound so what can we offer people listening right now who are feeling anxious depressed scared uh Mm -hmm. you know or wanting to create into their future but they don't they just Mm -hmm. feel like they don't know where to start how could we use this tool to help them what could you offer
0: it's a great question, Michelle, and it's actually one that we've been talking about with our new, you know, our our new um, group of gateless teachers. They couldn't train in March, so we've been mm-hmm. meeting, and kind of talking about keeping them wide open to the experience, even if we can't do it till August. And one of the things that we're talking about this week is really dreaming into the future mm-hmm. when something. The pandemic is going on, so the first thing I want to say about this, Michelle, is that we really have to be kind to ourselves because the whole world, essentially, is in as a collective energy yeah. is in fight or flight, right? So we're in our amygdala, sort of, is going in that fight or flight patterning mm-hmm. because we are feeling like, you know, going to the grocery store is life or death kind of thing. If I touch something someone else touched, I could die or kill my mother or whatever. That's <laughs> real, right? It's really awful. Real, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Awful. So I would say one of the first things is to be kind to the self. Mm-hmm. And to, um, you know, one of Gateless's big, big tenets is the resourcing of the self. So that means how can I resource myself to feel, to have more agency during this time? Mm -hmm. So some people say to you, like, don't listen to the news, don't read the newspaper. And I don't do those things. I don't watch the news. Um, But I did at the beginning because I really wanted to resource. I wanted to know kind of what the information was on the topic. Mm -hmm. And now I find that there are... Some news sources that I can look at for maybe 10 minutes uh, to kind of find out like, is there anything new that I need to know? Is there, you know, to keep myself very clear headed about Mm -hmm. what's going on in the world. So I'm not just blinders on, I'm not going to look at it kind of thing for me, that's very helpful. And I feel like I've gained tools that way. And an understanding of like, Oh, hand sanitizer actually can expire or whatever, but you want to look at those resources as a way to resource only. Mm -hmm. Right. So you don't want to look at it as a way to augment the fear. You want to look at it in a way of, I feel more educated and I have more agency And that can kind of tone down that feeling of, I don't know, and I'm terrified, and I feel out of control of everything. So I would say that's one of the first, the second things. It was like, be kind to the self, and then resource as much as you can without freaking yourself out. right? Right. And then the going to the page and going into the future. I mean, I feel like one thing we want to do before we dream into our futures is think about the now. Right, and really get very clear on what's going well in the now. My, for me, my body still works. You know, I I feel like I have a, you know enough space. My backyard is enough. I can walk at certain times in the evening where no one else is. Well, you know, I have these whole gratitude and appreciation going on, and that I think is really helpful too. Because when you look at the world right now, they're focusing on disease. And that will automatically train the brain to look for dis ease everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's very helpful to balance it. You know, that's kind of what Galus does, right? We're balancing into ease, we're balancing into what's working. And that, once that train starts going, it's a lot easier than to sit down and write. And writing is a miracle. Because in the act of writing is the act of creation. And in the act of creation is always a feeling that I have agency. I have something that I can do with my time that I'm actually seeing results right now, even if mm-hmm. it's just a paragraph or a page. So that's one of the like greatest things about writing. The other thing is that it's a way to have a relationship with the self right? It's like that the thoughts are everywhere. We have no way of collecting them really while we're thinking them. They just seem random. And when you sit down and write, even if you're just putting down what you're thinking, you're having a relationship with, okay, what am I thinking? It's a deep form of meditation, in fact. And then those thoughts are outside of the self. That's the first way that we move through trauma, right? I got it all out on the page. It's no longer in here. It's actually out there and I'm seeing it. And I could do whatever I want with it. I can create a story from it. I can rip it out of my notebook and put it in the fire. I could do whatever I want. So we are, again, getting agency. We're getting control over something that has been out of control. It's been just all over the place in these random random ways in our mind, right? So that's another, another way to do it. And then I really like lists. When I'm feeling out of control when I'm feeling in fight or flight, when I'm feeling like I don't have that much time, like the kids are home, there's homeschooling, you have to take care of elderly parents, you know, the routines are all messed up. It's like, I'm going to make a list. I'm going to make a list of what I want to do in the future. I'm not even going to annotate that list. I'm just going to dream like, Oh, I'd love it. If I could go to Morocco for a vacation with my husband, I would love to plan a Gordon. I would just get that list out. And it doesn't matter where that list goes. The fact that it's written, I think, is a direct communication with the higher self or the divine, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. It's like I've written it down. It's manifested in physical reality. And now I feel like that's a bridge to something that's higher than the self. It's, It's out there in the world. So whether you lose that notebook or it's on the back of like a coffee filter that you just had free for that five minutes, it doesn't really matter. It's it's been put somewhere. So that alone can make someone feel a little bit lighter. And they say, and, and I've seen it with my writers, is that when you begin to write and just let yourself kind of free associate in the mind, put it on paper and put it on paper, you, you know raise immune levels, which is always nice right now, <laughs> lower blood pressure, you know, insomnia, which we'll talk about a little later usually gets a little better. You know, there's a lot of things that writing can do. Why? Because when you're actually on the page writing, it's very hard to also worry or have higher levels of anxiety. You really are in the moment from the act of just putting something on paper, even if you're typing, you're thinking about that thing. You're not thinking about, you know, what if I get coronavirus or what if my husband gets it or maybe my mother's not safe or did I actually touch the mailbox when I went last time and then wash my I mean, there's so much anxiety. So the act of writing keeps us in the now and that lowers everything. I mean, it's, it's amazing what it can do.
1: Okay, so this is so good. So be kind, resource, go to the page and list. Um, Mm -hmm. so much when you talked about a lot came up, but I think, you know, in terms of the, the dreaming part, what I think is so cool is a lot of times when we make those lists, like you said, it doesn't matter if you revisit them, but if you find them, a lot of times you realize you've manifested, you've actually created, you've drawn something into your life that you had the intentionality around, and then it comes to you. That's happened to me over and over and over again. So I love that. But I want to go back to just getting to the page. So one of the things that's so powerful about writing is that it allows for a dialogue with different parts of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So we are, you know, we've got the wounded self. We've got the little kid within who who's who is anxious and needs the adult part of us to help and, you know, calm it. And so I'm wondering, how can we use writing as a way to Sit down and maybe dialogue with the anxiety. So let's just use an example. Somebody's thinking, I'm so, I'm so afraid that something will happen to my parent or whatever. Like, what, what can they do with the page and a, and a pen? What, what, how could they start?
0: Well, one of the things that the page does is that it listens and acts as a witness. So there's this been this whole thing around the blank page as scary, or like, you know, not wanting to face it or, but if you can flip that, that a little bit around and think of the the blank page as a friend. As somebody who's always going to be there, you can say absolutely anything. It's never going to get freaked out. It's never going to tell you you're wrong. It's never going to try to soothe you when you're not ready to be soothed. You can be angry. You can be sad. You can say things about your husband that you like would never want to tell your husband. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I think that's the main thing is to think of the blank page as a friend. This is a place to pour yourself out. And it's actually quite soothing because it's it's all it's doing is holding you. It, you don't have to do anything there except be held. So when you're little, you know, that's kind of, you, you can feel back into childhood. That's always what you're looking for. You just want to be held and told like, whoever you are, whatever you're bringing to me, it's okay. I am here and I'm going to hold you until the next thing comes. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to hold you. And that's what the blank page, I think, is for us. So when we're having stressed out thoughts or we are feeling like at the ends of the rope with the with the child who's home, you know, or things like that, to be able to go to the page is a gigantic stress reliever. I mean, it's one of the best things that you can do at that time for coping, coping mechanism. I think, you know if you can get at the list, you know, or something really quick, then some other exercises can come up, right? So like just going off about what you're feeling and making sure that's getting manifested on the page or getting the lists out, whatever those lists happen to be, the appreciation list or the, you know, list of things that you got done that day that you feel really good about, you know, whatever it is. Then you can begin to go to some other exercises. So one of the exercises is really... To allow the fear to speak. Okay, so imagining that the fear is an actual entity or an actual being. And mm-hmm. this, this seems scary, right? But in fact, as soon as we get it to be its own containered thing, then it's more likely that we're gonna be able to navigate around it, to see it for what it is, to see through it. Mm-hmm. So allow it to be its own character. And allow it to speak with you on the page. So for example, I'm afraid. I feel like this is never gonna end. I don't think I'm gonna have enough money this year. But you just let the fear speak. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. This fear might say something to you. I wish you would do more of this. I feel like you're not doing enough of this. Why didn't you choose a different career that was online? This is a nightmare now. Why didn't you save more money? All those thoughts will come out. And sometimes they feel very mean. Mm-hmm. And, and it can be a very scary exercise. But the thing is, you're just doing the same thing with that fear as you wanted somebody to do for you when you were small and crying and screaming. And so shut up, stop crying. Why are you? It's too loud. You know what I mean? It's just giving the fear space. And as soon as it has that space, you'll notice it will begin to morph into something else. There'll be a kind of Lessening, a de mm-hmm. of its power.
1: Yeah. And a so softening.
0: A softening. Yeah. yeah. And you become compassionate to it because you're hearing it, right? So that's what they always say about prejudice. It's like if you can just know that person you're not going to feel prejudiced any longer because you'll have a personal relationship with them. Mm. So you in fact, want that with your fear, because we're so prejudiced against fear. I don't want it. I'm not going to look at it. It shouldn't even be here. That's going to ruin me. You just let it in, invite it in here. Here you go. Here's your space. Tell me what you're thinking. And it will just create more of a relationship between you and the fear so that you can then soothe it or sometimes resource for it. Like, oh, I didn't even think of that. You know, it's asking me to do such and such the fear. And I actually could maybe do that tomorrow. So it might say to you, like, I wish you'd hurry up and get your business online, you know, and then you can kind of think about that, you know, oh, I wonder what that would look like if I did, you know, A, B, and C. So it's a relationship. It's not that you're letting it you know, blah, tell, tell you what it thinks. And then you're going to dismiss it. It's really listening, huh? What not to say that it's your CEO, but just to hear it out on the page.
1: Yeah. To soften it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. And it's, and it's gives it an opportunity to speak. So then it's the voice is not so loud because if you ignore it, and don't pay attention to it, it's going to escalate and grow and grow. And then it may overwhelm you, which is, I think a lot of us in the beginning, you know, where I kind of equated a little bit to a marathon. You're you're like, okay, uh, I'm going to run. I'm going to pace this. I can do it. And now we're, you know, I'm from Boston. So there's Heartbreak Hill on the Boston Marathon. And I feel like we're kind of on Heartbreak Hill right now. It's like, oh my goodness, do I have what it takes to keep going with all... At least with a marathon, you know there's an ending. Here, we know it's coming, but we don't know when. So there's so much uncertainty. So I love the idea of writing to the anxiety, writing to the fear. What do you need me to know? Um, you use prompts. Do you think that prompts are useful or important or anything you want to say about how, for somebody who maybe never journaled or... Yeah, doesn't know how to approach this. Is that useful? Or should they just literally just say fear? What do you need to tell me this anxiety? I'm feeling what do you need to tell me? What do you think?
0: I think prompts are are beautiful. I think they have a dark side of the moon, which is that they kind of can like move the writer a little push the writer too much. You know, like prompts should be there as a tool like, oh, I want to move into the writing. I'm kind of blocked as to how to start, but they shouldn't be a dictum. Right. So, oh, you have to write this, you know, and sometimes for me, when prompts get too kind of niggly and mm-hmm. nippy or too, too, um, uh, literal, they don't work. I have to have it kind of open. So I would say, you know, fear, what do you want to tell me is a good one. And really, you know, starting with something specific, what do you want to tell me about money? What do you want to tell me about time? What do you want to tell me about illness? What do you want to tell me about my mom? What do you, you know what I mean? So, really allowing that to to be niched in a way can be very helpful because there's often one that's like rising, you know, really, really heavily. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> I think that's so true. Okay, so we talked right before the mics came on about. Sleep and getting restful sleep, and I've noticed that for me personally, my I'm a light sleeper anyway, but it's almost like I'm half awake, half asleep the last few nights. And I find I've, I've had my first COVID dream. So people keep telling me they have these dreams. Uh, They're at a yoga class, and they're like, "Oh my goodness, I shouldn't be around all these people." For me, it was I was at my mom and dad's house, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, I didn't self quarantine for 15 days, you know, 14 days. Why am I here?" So we're we're now right. Our our uh, subconscious mind is trying to process through dream state. But um, what can we do if we're not getting that restful sleep? How can we use gateless writing to help us maybe get back into a more deep sleep again?
0: Mm. So forgiveness is also really important here because we think we have control over our sleep. Mm. It's a big misconception. We we don't have that much control over our sleep. You know, the, the the nervous center revs and you just kind of have to wait for it to rev down sometimes mm-hmm. and to be very sweet with yourself, like if you haven't slept for a few nights and to remember that if you're awake. If you're somebody that is not shut down by, you know, an addictive pattern or something that's kind of um, keeping you disconnected from what's going on, then you're going to be probably a little wakeful sometimes. It's Mm -hmm. just kind of how it moves. Like when Mm -hmm. I started to wake up spiritually, insomnia was a thing, you know?
1: Would say that again, when you started to wake up spiritually, you became more... Mm-hmm. Because
0: I was waking up to everything, my whole, oh. whole system was waking up. It was like you know, everything was a little more. You know, like when I would when I'd go into physical pain, it would be more. It would hurt more than it hurt before. Mm. Or I would have like an emotional pain, of friendship, or something it hurt more. I was more awake. I was more open. I was more sensitive. I wasn't shut down. So you know that waking up to your creative power, waking up spiritually, waking up to the collective suffering which mm-hmm. is part of lit life, will sometimes create that in somebody who's waking up, you may not even really know you're waking up to your spiritual power, but it could be happening. And insomnia is one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but pragmatically, what do you do, you know, especially when you're exhausted the next day, and so on, when you wake up, Michelle, are you waking up Fully and like lying there for a while, or is it more like you're just not getting good quality sleep? Or tell me a little bit
1: about this. Um, you know what, is I think it's interesting. I think that when this first started, I was in that pattern of not getting the restful sleep, and I think it was more of just being on high alert. And now, when you what you talked about really resonated, I mean, I'm very much of an empath, so I think there was like a feeling of the collective pain going on, and so I think that's definitely a part of it, and I definitely feel like I'm. I think we're all on this path of reclaiming our voices and really opening up to why we're here and what we're doing. And I've been on this journey for a while and I think there is this, I've always been very spiritual. I've had a lot of really, you know, things that have happened in my life that have let me know that we're part of a much greater thing than we can see. It also
0: can be just because, you know, you're in the gateless Academy and I know you're starting to write a lot more. It also can be the muse that wakes you up that wants to pass you something in those early morning hours, because that's when we're in the liminal state. That's like the closest to the dream state is Mm -hmm. the imaginative state. So like you're, you're writing a novel. So if you have a pad beside your bed and you can jot down what's coming to you and i would ask for direction i'm up to from your novel from the spirit of the book what do you want to tell me and see if they pass you anything hmm. and then see how much energy you have that day after you let yourself write into your creative Project during that time period, because I know for me if i if I let myself grab the notebook and I actually put down you know what's going through my mind or I ask for direction, it is like profound what can come through.
1: And what about for other people who it might be anxiety? It could mm-hmm. be I don't know menopause <laughs> very. Menopause. <laughs> this could be hormones, you know, you're just saying that you really can't control it, but to maybe just be gentle with yourself and then either depending on what, what would you say? Actually, I don't want to fill it in. You,
0: you tell I us. would say that that is also a, a scribe messenger. So when I wake up, I'm very nervous. I'm very anxious. I feel depressed go to the page. We just did the exercise. Let the anxiety speak. What does it want to say? Let the depression speak. What does it want to say? You know, if it's waking you up, it's, I mean, that's what spiritual teachers have talked about on down the ages, right? We want to wake up. And that's the thing right now. Woke. That's what people are saying all the time. Woke, woke, woke. She's so woke. Yeah. Yeah. You're waking up to some truth that's within, inside of that anxiety. And the best way to see the truth is to write it out. So sometimes we have anxiety. It feels like energy. We go, I got to do this. I got to get my kid ready. I got to... Never does the anxiety get to pass you the wisdom.
1: Yeah. We keep too busy.
0: Menopause, huge creative place. for. It's no wonder. Hot flashes, Waking up in the middle of the night, this is all spirit coming through, wanting to give you wisdom and messages. And the best place I think to do that is on the page. It's so clear. It's words, like there's no other, like you can do it in painting, but then you also have to then interpret what you've painted. You can dance, but you have to interpret that dance. Writing is the medium that's a direct communication from the higher self, which could show up as anxiety, could show up as a hot flash, could show up as depression. But it has a wisdom for us that can be transcended through the page. That's the bridge between that energy and this conscious self. Make sure there's some time when you're in communication with it because it is an energy. It has a wisdom. It has something that it wants to speak. It doesn't have to be a thing that you're afraid of. You know? You've know, you already lived through whatever the anxiety came, came from you know what I mean? Otherwise you wouldn't have the anxiety. You've already lived through the experience. You're not going to have to like ever like rewind time and go back and live it again. But the anxiety rises because some wisdom was wrought from an experience that was scary, or Mm. you felt like compromised, Mm. but the anxiety is the wisdom. It's not the
1: experience. It's the thing that you're supposed to know from having that. It's amazing. Are you kidding? That, that resonated so <laughs> deeply. I was like, wow, that's so powerful. And I hope other people can receive that too because it was, it's so true. And you talked about connecting with the higher self. And I think one of the things, and I've done this for probably 20 years, but not as a regular practice. And again, I think there's so much wisdom that wants to talk to us and speak to us and it has loving messages and it wants us to commune. How do we get to that higher part it sounds like we need to kind of first let the, the fear, the anxiety, the other parts express, but how do we make that connection? And how do we know when we've connected? I, I, I know now for me, like I'll write and sometimes I'm like, I think this is me talking. And then, then it's, I know when that other voice comes in, but what, what can you say to that?
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So when say the anxiety is speaking, right. And it starts to say, you know, all that it's anxious for that, that's the first level of it, right. That the wisdom isn't there yet. It's just and a lot of people don't make it through that. They're just like, oh, that was sort of hard. (laughs) And I didn't really want to hear all that. But (laughs) what happens is usually in that exercise, the wisdom comes from the self. Okay, so you, you're, you suddenly want to talk back to the anxiety and you begin to soothe the anxiety. Well, that's okay that we didn't do that because, you know, these things happen. We're going to go back to where we were, whatever. You just will find that the, what I call the mother will rise, the nurturing voice will rise and it will begin to soothe the anxiety or the depression or the, or if it's the critic so that the voice gets nasty you're you're giving the the critic the voice right then that voice will get can get nasty and you begin to kind of hey i i noticed you contradicted yourself there i'm going to tell you like this isn't actually true that is the higher self coming in and integrating what kind of needs to be inside the self more and shedding what doesn't need to be in the self more.
1: How does self love and loving yourself show up in your life Suzanne? What do you have practices around that? Yeah, I mean,
0: I've been practicing this for so long that I think what I've noticed is that the critic is is a snake you know, it sheds a skin and it looks totally different, you know, the next time it shows up and it's kind of, it just gets in there in these very interesting ways where if I'm not conscious, I won't catch it. And I'm suddenly on a little train. Like I I noticed this winter, I got just a little bit of a negative train, Mm. you know, of like pushing myself and kind of And I just had to kind of notice like, oh, that's where the critic is showing up now. It's it's saying this thing that's kind of controlling me in a way that feels uncomfortable. And I know when I'm in it because I don't feel right. I feel uncomfortable. I feel like there's something I should be doing, but I don't know what it is. I think for a lot of people, it shows up as comparison. Like I look at people online and you think they're doing better than you. And it's just a coming back to self, Michelle. It's like, it's really standing up for the self, but in an inner place where you know that you're okay. And you know that you're doing the best you can. And you know that your heart's in the right place. Now, this doesn't mean that, you know, you haven't hurt people in the past. You haven't broken some hearts. You haven't done things that are a little bit dishonest. It's not about all that. It's that you are doing the best you can with the information that you have. And I always come out of bed and just say to like, whatever the higher force is, can you replace judgment with love? I would like to move in the world with your protective kind of bubble around me with the eyes of love and that helps me a lot it helps me to see myself that way it helps me to see other people that way and when judgment comes up I've always I've already made an intention around it So I can recognize it like, oh, there it is. I'm in judgment. Now, judgment is extremely defensive, right? It's like the thing that really protects us. So self-love when it comes to judgment, because if you have somebody who's hurt you, hurt your feelings, hurt your family, anything like that, and there's a judgment that comes up in a defensiveness, you know, sometimes it's okay to just let that stand and come back to the self, and love the self, and make sure there's no judgment around the self around that event. Not focusing on the blame of the person, if you can, but focusing on the love of the self. Mm-hmm. Where am I blaming myself for what happened? And then this, for the person, will fall away. It might take 20 years. you know, This whole thing about forgiveness, and it's like, mm, I don't know. You know what I mean? I think it just suddenly you realize like, oh, I haven't thought of that person in a long time. I haven't thought about that event in forever. <laughs> but- I have like, you know, been feeding the self well sort of thing and made sure that I don't have any rough edges around what happened.
1: So beautiful. I love that. Um, Is there anything I didn't ask that you think would be worth mentioning today? Anything else you want to share?
0: I guess my sense is that, you know, the fear, the collective fear that we're going through right now as a society is always has a balance. Right. So if we can look at the energy of the universe, this is very much what we do with the creative process, right? We're we're always in contraction and expansion. That's how we're staying together, you know, in this galaxy. Like if you look at physics, it's like contraction, expansion. That's how it this this doesn't just fly out or just implode on itself. So if we can think of this time with fear as having the the bright side of that moon is is love is is creativity is this these big things that are going to blossom on the other side there's no way it can't that's the balance of the universe so remembering that even while we're in the fear on the other side things are moving all the time that are creative and that are loving and that are kind they're always don't don't ever believe someone that tells you it's all destruction. It's all fear. It's all terrible. There's no way that could be possible. We're always in equal balance. So
1: yeah. I'm so glad you came into my life. Um, Where can I direct people to learn more about you and Gateless?
0: Well, if you want to visit our website, it's on gatelesswriting.com. It's very easily gatelesswriting.com. And you can peruse. There's a lot of text on that website. I try to give as much information as I can about the methodology and our programming. And we would, I always love to get emails from people who are writing and just trying to explore that whole world of the written words. So feel free to reach out.
1: Thank you so much for what you shared today. It's so beautiful.
0: Wow, Michelle, thank you so much. (laughs) Such a good time with you. I'm just like just thrilled. I feel like I found a soul sister. Oh, me too.
1: I can't believe it's May already with Mother's Day just around the corner. I've decided to extend my offer of my book for free through the month of May. And if you know of somebody who would benefit from reading Design a Life You Love, A Woman's Guide to Living a Happier and More Fulfilled Life, feel free to direct them to thegoodlifecoach.com. It's actually a great book too for young women who are graduating college or just starting out in their careers. It covers life, love, love, body, career, relationships, and simplicity. While you're there, definitely check out the show notes for today's episode, and you'll be able to access the interview with Suzanne. You'll see her picture on the homepage. Just click on that, and in the show notes will be a link to the very first interview I did with her, which I encourage you to check out. If this interview resonated with you and you know of somebody who would benefit from the information, please do take a second to share it. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.